Hi guys, today we're going to uh, go over the second chapter of uh, influence. In it, we're talking about uh, reciprocation and uh, how it can help in your business. I hope you enjoy. My name's Kyle Macker and I've been a pilot in the aviation industry for half my life. So you might be asking, why am I doing a marketing podcast, right? Well, I'm passionate about aviation and flying a big jet. It's just awesome. There's nothing like it. However, I realized that being a pilot is nothing what it used to be. Like all jobs, and if I wanted to live the life of my dreams on my terms, I was going to have to teach myself a new skill. So three years ago, I started my marketing journey. I dove deep into the marketing world. I dug into the books, psychology, persuasion, anything that would help with the person saying yes to a product or service. I love it. However, I have a big problem. It's all theoretical knowledge. I have no hands-on experience and I still have so many questions. The biggest thing that I know is if we want our businesses to stand out in a noisy marketplace, we have to become better marketers. The best marketer will always win. So follow me on my journey and hopefully along the way it can help you spark up a few ideas that I've learned so that you can implement in your business. So make sure you subscribe to my channel so you don't miss the latest episodes. And also, if there's anything you want to know about, get in touch with me on Instagram at this marketing thing. So let's dive right in. Reciprocation. What is it? Well, it's a rule that basically says that if someone does a kind gesture, sends you an invitation or gift or, or does you a favor, then you return that favor, gift or invitation. It's like when you get a Christmas card from somebody and they might not necessarily be on your Christmas card list, but you'll then you'll return them a Christmas card. Or like we had this recently when we were planning our wedding. You know, we'd had people that had invited us to their, to their wedding, so we felt obliged to invite them to ours. I think the key word here is the is the obliged word. And I mean, you can even see it in in society when we use much to block we use much obliged as a synonym for thank you. Now this obligation to repay a favor goes back to our first ancestors. And some archaeologists even say that It's the essence of which makes us human. We are humans because our ancestors learned to share their food and their skills and and it was honoured in a network of obligation. There's no human society on planet that doesn't subscribe to this rule. You know, this rule has transcended cultural differences, long distances and travelled all through the generations and we have all benefited greatly from it and we've been taught to comply and believe in it. And if you don't, you're labelled a moocher and something negative like because you're seen as taking advantage of a person that's given you a gift. I've got a good example of the psychological debt that's felt if you don't repay this. And We, were on, uh, we went on a three-week-long holiday through Europe uh, Two, about two yeah, no, it was probably, it was 2018 we went on this holiday and we were flying from Hong Kong to Rome, then we went to Athens and 
we stayed in Athens for a couple of days. Then we went to Santorini. Now, Santorini was a disaster. It was so bad. My fiance, she got violently ill one night. And, you know, it was, it was 10.30 at night and she, she had this extreme pain in her belly. We had, it was that bad we had to go to the hospital. So, you know, we, you know, we got to the hospital <clears throat> and then um, it was just she was throwing up all night. Like they'd given her a drip. They'd given her some uh, antibiotics because, you know, they thought it was a, a bacterial uh, infection even though they didn't really know what it was at this stage. And I can remember just going, oh, no. And what was worse is that, oh, I'm going to cop some for this, but I didn't get travel insurance. I, you know, we'd been, we in our defence, we'd been to, you know, like all over Asia, like to some pretty dodgy third world countries, eating some pretty questionable type food and never, ever had a problem and I don't know, we just overlooked it. We were doing a lot of traveling at the time and anyway, we didn't get any travel insurance. And so we'd gone to this hospital and they really didn't sort of know what was wrong, but they sort of basically said to me, um, they said, look, if, if, these, if these antibiotics don't work, we're going to have to fly her out. And I was just like, oh, no, this is really bad. Like this, this will cost a fortune. And uh, anyway, that night she was just throwing up continuously, you know, and I was trying to, you know, like I was just trying to comfort her the best I could and she was up every 15, 20 minutes throwing up and when she said, yeah, I've got to go, I'd grab the, um, I'd grab like the bag of saline solution and the, you know, antibiotics that she was, you know, being fed or dripped into her and then run to the toilet and this was just constant non-stop so there was no sleep and I can remember the um I can remember in the morning the doctor come in we were both exhausted I was knackered and uh he sort of come in and in broken English and sort of said oh this this your girlfriend I said yep yep and he said oh she broken she broken she you need a new one as he as he tapped his clipboard I can just remember that I was just like I am not up for jokes at the moment but and anyway then I um I needed to run back to the hotel and grab some change of clothes and you know another overnight bag for Chloe so we went uh, so I, I took off and I'm just on the way out I didn't, thought I'd inquire I just sort of said uh, uh how much is it to go into emergency and she sort of said oh it's a, a thousand euros to and I just thought oh Jesus this is going to be expensive but Phil, you know, oh, my mistake. But anyway, so I was, yeah, I was just like, oh. so she was in hospital for three days, and we didn't see any Santorini, and it was just a, it was, it was bad. But you know, we were decide, you know, we were deciding whether to just go straight back to Hong Kong or continue on the trip because we still had Venice and then Rome to go as well. So. Um, but she was feeling much better by this stage. Luckily, those antibiotics had worked. And so we, she said, let's just go to Venice and I'll just take it easy and 
you know, sit around the hotel and we'll just go and do some, you know, river tours or something like that. I said, perfect, all right, let's do that. So we went to Venice and that Venice was great. It was really good. We sort of just took it easy, but we saw some, you know, amazing city. And then we went to Rome. So we're in Rome for three or four days. So I, I'd been there quite a few times with work, maybe three or four times. So I was pretty confident with Rome, but there was definitely some things that I wanted to show her. So I wanted to show the Roman ruins and the Colosseum and the Forum. And this one, you know, this particular afternoon, we were looking at the Forum and some of the ruins. And, um, you know, like, we were, I, I was not in any mood to be badgered and asked for money. And, and I mean, you'll see a lot of hecklers and in Rome and they're trying to sell you something. They're trying to ask for photos with them. And, and I just didn't want any part of it because, you know, to be honest, I felt like I'd been ripped off by the hospital. I mean, for, you know, Chloe being sick, I just didn't, I was not interested in spending any money, especially like that. Um, so anyway, but this guy, he comes up to us and he goes, he just starts basically talking to us and it was, but I still, I still got the feeling like he, he wanted something. So, you know, like I did the old double eyelid, like, let's get out of here. And he, just as we were leaving, he, he basically, he said to my fiance, he said to Chloe, he said, here's a gift for you. And she stuck out her hand and took this gift. Now, this little gift is like a, it's like a one, it's like a tiny little wooden turtle. Um, but he wouldn't take it back. And I was like, give it back to him. And he's like, no, 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 you take it, you take it. You pay me what you think it's worth. And I was just like, ah, oh. I had the shits. And I was like, no, nah, not giving you any money. And I was like, no. Nothing, you know, like because I was annoyed. But but what was interesting after that, I felt bad for such a long time not giving that guy money because I felt like I was psychologically indebted to him because I felt like I was a moocher or I had sort of somehow taken advantage of this guy because I hadn't given him something for what his little wooden turtle was worth. So I think that demonstrates the power of reciprocation, um, you know, especially for me anyway, you know, for me. But, um, you know, I mean, if you look closely, you can really see this sort of anywhere. Um, like, I mean, when I was a young guy, like I didn't know it was called reciprocation, but like all young guys do this. Like why do you think young guys buy girls drinks at a bar? And it's because we hope to get their number or go take them on a date or, or take them somewhere else later on. Or, you know, I mean, you see this in religious organisations, you know, like, for instance, the um, Krishnas. I don't know if you remember them at airports, but, you know, anyone saw those, them, you know, look, that was like, you know, now there's signs at airports saying that you're not allowed to do this because it's so strong. like. So you'd be walking out of the, you know, arrivals hall and then all of a sudden you'd be slapped with a rose and a book on your chest and now you're holding this rose and book saying to this, you know, this guy, I, I don't don't want it, don't want it, take it back. No, no, you, you give me. And then you feel 
that obligation that because he gave you something, you have to give it back. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's quite, it's very powerful. Um, there was a, a really successful cleaning products company and what they would do is they would, um, they would door -to -door, they would do door-to-door -door sales. But what they would do with their cleaning products, they would give them to the household for 48, 72 hours saying, just use it. It's just, it's our gift to you. And then they would come back. And when they come back, that's when they would ask for the sale. But because the person of that household had cleaned and used with the products, they felt the obligation to buy the products. And that was a hugely successful um, company that did that. Um, you know, like those free samples in shopping centres that you get. Like I remember when I was about, oh, I would have been probably early 20s, and a young pretty girl, uh, as I was walking past, handed me a, a, a free sample of moisturiser. And I took it, um, and then she then offered me, she said, well, why don't you, uh, you know, I've got a bit of time coming, I'll show you my skincare products. And I'm, I was definitely not into any skincare at all, but I can remember 45 minutes later I'd walked out with $300 worth of skincare products. I mean, that's probably, there's probably other psychological factors that go with that as well as like, you know, we'll cover later when we go further into the this book influence but um you know she, she was very attractive and um you know so this there was probably some other psychological factors at play there but nonetheless you know and that, the, what he says in the book actually is a really good one in um his book is this the this professor his name was dennis regan of cornell university and what he did was conduct an experiment on reciprocation principle. Now, what the idea was is there was going to be two men in a room and they would basically go around the room and critique different artworks that were on the wall. Now, there was only one subject. The other person in the room with them, unbeknownst to the subject, was... Regan's assistant named Joe. Now, what they would do, they'd go around, uh, critique the art, and that's what the subject was there, thought he was doing. He would, Joe would then leave the room for a minute, saying he needed a break. And sometimes he would come back with a bottle of Coke, and other times he wouldn't. And he would come back into the room just explaining that he had been uh, thirsty. So he went to the vending machine and while he was there, he got a drink for himself and he thought and he said to the I will I got you one as well. So he giving them given them a gift um, of a bottle of Coke. So they went round the room, finished critiquing the art, and then once that was all finished and the sub subject thought it was all over, Joe would then say as they were leaving. Uh, look, mate, do you mind helping me out? I, I'm involved in this competition to sell a car and I'm selling a few raffle tickets. Would you mind buying some? More the better. 
And it was without a doubt that Joe was a lot more successful at getting people to comply with buying the raffle tickets when he'd given them the bottle of Coke. And what was interesting to note as well was that the bottle of Coke, that the, the price difference from the bottle of Coke to the raffle tickets, the raffle tickets were a lot more expensive than the bottle of Coke. It was about a 500% difference. And I guess that um, you can, I, I definitely could see that in, in, in what had happened, my experience with reciprocation as well, in that that girl that gave me the skincare, uh, that was probably worth about a dollar. And I'd left there with $300. Um, you know, that was a very unequally yoked um, exchange. But I, I guess that was not a great experience, ex, you know, experience with it because there was a lot of other psychological factors at play. And I guess, though, that even there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be psychological factors that stack up in a lot of these things that we talk throughout the book, which makes that even more powerful. The last part of the second chapter, Robert uh, talks about the reciprocation principle used in a sort of different way but similar way to the contrast principle. It's called the rejection then retreat technique. Now, he came across this when a Boy Scout had come up to him and asked him if he would like to attend the annual Boy Scout circus on Saturday night and uh, not being one for Boy Scouts or circuses, uh, Robert was like, no, no, thank you. But then the little boy immediately went into, uh, okay, then, well, how about two chocolate bars? And sort of without sort of too much thought, Robert said yes, even though he doesn't really particularly like chocolate. So he sort of then thought, why did I say yes to that? And I've, and I've just bought two overpriced chocolate bars. So he went back and he sort of um, spoke with his team and they sort of, this is an interesting content, you know, th this is an interesting thing that just happened. So they went and researched it and um, they, they conducted some experiments and found this uh, rejection and retreat, retreat technique, they call it. And actually uh, – Sort of another example of it was my girlfriend was actually um, buying personal training sessions, and the personal trainer said to her, "Okay, this is in Hong Kong dollars, thousand Hong Kong dollars, you know, per hour." And she was like, "Whoa, no way!" And then he immediately dropped to, "Okay, how about six hundred? And she was sort of like, "Yeah, okay, that's uh, that's that's good." And then sort of after leaving, she sort of sort of thought. 600 Hong Kong dollars, that's actually still quite expensive for personal training. So she had been hit with one figure and then immediately dropped to the one below using the reje rejection then retreat technique. Now you might be asking why do we sort of feel the strain to reciprocate concessions? And it all goes back to our ancestors it was in, it's in the interest of the human group to achieve common goals and participate in requests of other members. So that's why we still feel this uh, strain or obligation to do these things. You know, 
But from the experiments, it seems though, from the experiments that Robert conducted, it seems that it's more likely to work if the there's a large request initially um, for them to uh, take up the second concession. Although the first request can't be ridiculous. If it's out of the ballpark, the concession won't even stand a chance. That's what they found in these experiments. So, I mean, I guess it's up to you as salespeople to figure out whether, you know, what's the right, how much can you get away with but not seem ridiculous. Now, the... You might be saying, well, this is like the contrast principle in the first chapter of the book, and and that's what I initially was as well, actually, and he does address it. It's very similar to the contrast principle. Um, I guess this is maybe – it's very similar, but it can be used like straight away with, okay, $1,000 for personal training, no, bang, 600 bucks for personal training, which is – what he was probably after initially. The second, the, the last thing to sort of say on this rejection and retreat technique is that customers feel more satisfied with the sale. They felt responsible and in control because they were able to say no at the first and then then the salesperson uh, took the lesser of what they offered. So, even though that we know that probably he was, say in this instance of the personal training, he was probably after 600 all along, but just thought, I'll, to guarantee it, if she said no initially at the 600, he had nowhere to go. But if he then said, oh, 1,000 first, and then I'll reject, it's more likely to hit. It's like when you ask someone, can I borrow 50 bucks? It's like, no, or you know, 100 bucks, whatever it is, or can I borrow 20 then? It's like, oh, okay, it's only 20. It's that, okay, I've been rejected, I'll retreat, I'll use the contrast principle to get my way, in which the 20 bucks you might have just originally wanted, but by asking for the 50 or the 100 first, then you've sort of guaranteed it that you're going to get your 20. So anyway, guys, I hope you liked that episode uh, of the second chapter of Influence and um, I'll uh, make another one shortly. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks, guys. Hope you liked this week's episode of This Marketing Thing. Don't forget to subscribe and if you would like to get a hold of us, we're on Instagram at this marketing thing.